I'm Dave Champion. Do you know that most, we'll call them high power attorneys who handle significant civil cases have someone like me who does research. In, on the criminal side, they call them investigators. They're often called research assistants, research contractors, and so forth on the civil side. And here's the purpose for an attorney to have somebody like me under contract when they're looking at a significant civil matter. There are such things in the law, as I'm sure you know, expert witnesses. So we'll say we've got attorney Smith and he represents the plaintiff. The plaintiff comes to attorney Smith and says, hey, I want you to pursue this particular controversy, this matter. This is the outcome I'm looking for. And I'm going to provide you with these 20 experts, whatever that might happen to mean to the client, right? So then attorney Smith, he says, okay, great. You've got 20 experts. Let's take a look and see what they've got. Now, why doesn't attorney Smith just take that at face value? Well, first of all, attorneys think most of their clients are idiots and they're not exactly wrong. Uh, the client certainly doesn't understand the law. But more importantly, civil suits involve, almost always, any significant civil suit involves depositions. Each side questions in advance of the trial under oath the people from the other side. They both do this, right? So everybody's cards are on the table before they ever walk into the courtroom. The purpose of that is so that if one side or the other <laughs> discovers they have a completely losing case, then they can go ahead and settle out of court or dismiss the action or whatever they're going to do. So because both sides know the other side's cards, attorney Smith knows that the other attorney representing the defendant is going to do his best to disprove or tear down or make non-credible the presentation, the evidence, the testimony of these 20 witnesses provided to the plaintiff's attorney by the client. So in other words, attorney Smith is trying to find out if those experts are credible before he walks into court and finds out they're not and gets his ass handed to him. What I just described only makes sense, right? If you, you are Attorney Smith, you would want somebody like me who's a bang-up researcher to go look at the underlying arguments, the underlying data, the underlying facts that the client just gave you and said, yeah, this is real. These are factual. Before you went to court and found out you're making a complete ass of yourself, you would want to know whether those, that information is credible, right? The next thing I want to share with you is attorneys, again, will you say for the plaintiff, don't go out and find experts. That's up to the client to do. So when the client comes in and says to the attorney they want to hire, hey man, this is my objective. This is what I want to accomplish in the courtroom. The attorney is going to say, and your information that you have to share with me so that I can create that for you is what? Okay. It's up to the client to provide the information. And this brings me to the Donald Trump and surrogate lawsuit. Now, just bear with me for a moment. I'm going someplace beyond that. I just want to touch base on this quickly. All right. So I use the phrase Trump and surrogates. What I mean by that is Donald Trump, the Trump campaign, or those filing suit in the interest of Trump. In other words, they want him to be president. Okay. So they're bringing an argument that is related to allegations of election fraud for the purpose of 
changing the vote up so that Donald Trump can be president. So when I use the term Trump and surrogates, that's the picture I'm painting. To date, Trump and surrogates have brought and lost 54 separate cases. There are two more pending. There's one pending in a state court in Georgia, and there's one pending in the Fulton County Court in Georgia. Those are going to be dismissed lickety split here in the next week or so. So that'll be 56 lawsuits lost. Now, some of them were dismissed out of hand because they, they lack standing and things like that, more technical legal arguments. But the vast majority of them were dismissed for lack of evidence. And that ties back to the earlier part of the discussion where it is the client's responsibility to bring credible experts, credible data, credible evidence to counsel and say, here, okay, so you can imagine if you were a high up monkey muck in the Trump campaign, you were hiring a law firm to go out and challenge election fraud, right? Then you would take, you would go to that attorney, whoever the attorney for the firm is designated to handle your case, you would go to him and say, look, man, I, I got all this stuff. Okay? The very first thing the attorney would do is take that stuff and hand it to their researcher and say, let me know if it's credible. Okay? So what is the, of that process, what has the outcome been in the 54 cases where we have a, a known established outcome? In all 54 cases, not a shred of evidence was brought into court by the attorneys. So what that means is the attorney's researchers came back to the attorney and said, no man, don't even think about using this information. If you use this information, the opposition is going to mop up the floor with you. It's not credible. And therefore, the attorneys went to court and filed a petition that made various claims. And when the judge said, okay, now back your claims up with evidence, they were like, no evidence. So where is all this evidence that Trump loyalists rely on? Yeah, social media. And what do you think the people from, say, the Trump campaign brought to counsel and said, here's the evidence? Yeah, people talking on social media, not just, not just Joe Blow, but people who, in theory, know something? Yeah, so here, take a look at this. Of which the researchers found, obviously, that none of it was credible because none of it was brought into the courtroom. And that brings me to the events of January 6th, the Capitol building, and a violent attempted insurrection. A reporter by the name of Igor Babic was actually inside the Capitol building filming what was going on as the, we'll call them Trump loyalists, were flooding into the building in order to stop Congress from uh, concluding or moving forward with its constitutional duty to confirm the state's electoral votes. And Bobbick reports that these Trump loyalists were yelling at a Capitol police officer that they needed justice. And the only way for them to get justice was to stop Congress from counting and certifying the state electoral votes. So if they were looking for justice, there must be some evidence that something was unjust, right? Except no, it's all just people doing this on social media. Because when the clients went to the counsel they were hiring and said, hey, check it out, all the evidence. It wasn't evident. If it had actually been credible evidence, the attorneys would have brought that shit into court and they never did. Do you get it? I, you know, this is mind boggling to me. I go through this, it's, it's like putting out the same fire a thousand times. 
if the information was deemed, and remember, this is the plaintiff's counsel. This is an attorney for the opposition. This is Donald Trump or Donald Trump campaign chosen attorney. The one they're saying, we're giving you our money, make this happen. And the attorney's like, I can't take this crap into court because it's not credible. Yet, this non-credible social media bullshit is the basis to claim that they had to engage in violent insurrection in order to secure justice. With more than a little twist of irony, what this means is those people who were there engaging in violent insurrection ostensibly to obtain justice, yeah, they were operating on fake news. One of the things that disturbs me most about social media is that people feel at liberty to say things for which zero, zero evidence exists. I'm not even talking about this fake news social media guys blabbing about what they believe happened to the resulting in election fraud. I'm not talking about that. At least there's somebody talking. They're lying or they're mistaken, but at least there's somebody talking. I mean, just saying absolute fucking bullshit. There's not a single basis in reality and they're saying it anyway. Let me give you a perfect example of this. I posted this picture on the Dr. Reality page yesterday. And I was shocked <laughs> to see literally, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of comments saying he's Antifa. Why? Is there any evidence he's Antifa now? Quite the opposite, but I'll get to that in a minute. What they wanted to do was that they, they are Trump supporters, Trump loyalists, whatever you want to call it, right-wingers, whatever title you want to put. And they simply don't want to admit that one of their own was engaged in, uh, whether you want to call it looting or vandalism. I love this. Somebody who's not looting, he hasn't left the building yet. Yeah, no, I'm sure. He just, he's an interior designer and he thought where it was placed was aesthetically wrong, right? So it turns out somebody I know knows him. No, he's not Antifa. He's a Trump supporter. However, I always say in situations like this, don't believe me, or in this case, don't believe my friend. Um, and you don't have to. That's the great news about this. Uh, it was funny, on my personal Facebook page, I said, you know, if you think this thing was really nifty that happened, this violent insurrection, and you're celebrating the people who are involved, enjoy it while it lasts because a lot of them are gonna go to jail. And somebody's like, no, nobody's going to jail. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the FBI has already stated plainly that as soon as things were under control, they started pulling in all the footage, they're running uh, their facial recognition software, they're reaching out to the public to find out who these people are so that they can file charges, <laughs> okay? So this, this isn't supposition. These people, not all of them, of course. Uh, certain people who committed certain acts, which I'm gonna guess is probably going to be measured in at least dozens, yeah, they're gonna be prosecuted for federal crimes. My point being, whatever the FBI comes up with as far as identifying these people, when they seek an indictment or if it's a lesser charge, they simply bring charges, uh, they're they have to disclose publicly all the information they have. So you don't have to believe me or my friend that that fellow was actually a Trump supporter because you're gonna know his name and you're gonna be able to look it up for yourself. Um, you know, the part that I guess is perhaps equally as disturbing as people just making boneheaded claims like he's Antifa, you know, okay, so with zero evidence that that's true, is that when the FBI identifies him and releases his identity, and anybody and everybody can go on social media and take a look at this guy's page here, his profile there, and find out, no, he's a crazy Trump supporter. No one's going to come back on that thread and say, hey man, you know, I was wrong. 
Isn't that what a mature person would do? Yeah. Uh, so how many mature people do we have in America at this time? 